Welcome to the Work Life Brilliance Podcast with executive coach and best-selling author, Denise Renee Green. Denise fills each episode with humor, compassion, knowledge, and pragmatism to help you transform your life. Listen in and learn how you can tame your brain, lower your stress, and become the person you were born to be. Hello, my friend, and welcome to the show. If you are all about going from self-sabotage and stuckness to confidence, freedom, joyful, and successful, then you are in the right place because that is what we do here on the Work Life Brilliance podcast. And I appreciate you. appreciate you being here. I appreciate you putting yourself first right now and trusting me to help you. And if you love my podcast or if you like it a lot, I would love to have a positive review from you on Apple Podcast, and I would just love to hear your comments. I always appreciate hearing from you and um, hearing how my podcasts help you. All right, so let's get going. We're going to talk about a little thing here called fear, especially fear in the workplace, because I don't know if you've noticed, but the predominant mood in the workplace is fear, and that fear produces suffering. So we've got fear and suffering to deal with constantly. And here are some of the things that it creates. You just think about it for a minute and add to my list, but it creates inaction. Lots of talking, not a lot of doing. Creates too much blame, finger pointing, wasted time. And The thing about it is it's natural to have fear in the workplace because if you think about our brains, our negative biased brains, they are mostly afraid of three things. Social pain, which is the pain of worrying about somebody not liking you, somebody being pissed off at you. Status pain, which is the comparison pain, the fear of not measuring up, the fear that somebody else is going to outpace you, um, outdo you. Um, Also, it's the fear of pissing off the wrong person who might uh, keep you from elevating your status and your salary, and then energetic depletion pain, which is less a factor here. But what happens is because of energy depletion pain, your brain will freeze and your actions will freeze and you will not take any actions. You'll procrastinate. You'll ditter because you're in such fear that you're going to say the wrong thing and upset the wrong person. So I'm talking about this, you know, I always talk about this topic, it's very important. But in particular, I have one new client. She's only been working with me for three weeks. And I would say she's completely transformed. But actually, what happened is she is returned. She is returned back to her original self. Because before she came to this company, she was actually a business owner very, very confident. And then life happened. There were lots of moves. um, There were lots of changes. And she decided to go into corporate. And she started getting smaller and smaller. And she didn't even recognize herself after years. Now, her boss saw the confident woman that he hired was changing into somebody who was being very careful. And so he got her a coach to try and help her find herself again. And that was me. And now she is back to her original self. And she said, Denise, how on earth did that happen to me? And I said, well, 
because you're swimming in a soup of fear. When you are surrounded by other people who are in fear, the whole environment becomes one that is contagious. And sometimes you don't even know you have it. You just know that you're acting in a way that doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel productive. You don't feel joy anymore. You hold your breath a lot. You worry a lot. You wake up anxious about work. And when did this start happening? Well, for some of us, it started happening way back in school. Maybe the, our, uh, our teachers created contagions of fear. So once you know that you have it, you can actually do something about it. You can become a different person. You can become a person who doesn't take things personally, who lets things go, who doesn't hold their breath, or they notice when they're holding their breath, and they exhale and relax. They're the person who listens with curiosity and compassion. They don't labor over emails. They give people the benefit of the doubt. And they say no a lot. And maybe they don't actually use the word no, but they know that they cannot do it all. It's impossible. So they're just really clear and upfront about not being able to do it. So I underestimated when I was in the workplace how prevalent this was. And one of the best compliments I ever received was from one of my direct reports who said, I don't know how you do it, but you cruise in like you're on a sailboat and you change things in your wake and you say things that other people won't say. And I don't really know how I developed this, but I will tell you that when you have had very serious traumas in your life, um, when you're in severe pain, um, you know, you're going to put things in perspective. You're going to realize life is short. So maybe that's part of it. I also have an Enneagram type of being a nine on the Enneagram, which sees things in shades of gray and um, is more likely to be empathetic to others. So I think that I sense others' fear and I want to put them at ease. And I personally like to have a lot of fun and you can't be fearful and fun at the same time. At least I don't think you can. I think it's really hard and you'd have to fake fun and I don't want to fake fun. I want real fun. So this is what my clients do. They shed the fear and then think about what a person who doesn't have huge amounts of fear in the workplace does. They make decisions while everyone else diddles. They say the thing that nobody wants to say and they say it in a way that lands. It's factual. It's calm. It's not loaded with any vitriol or weird emotions. They take action. They actually get stuff done. Instead of just talking about getting th stuff done, they actually do it. And they disagree openly during the meeting, not after the meeting. They don't just sit there and nod their heads. They also under-prepare for meetings, so they have more free time. They ask really good questions. Questions that somebody else might think are probing or provocative. They're just curious. And they get more information so they can take better action and so that they can improve relationships because they're not guessing. They're not trying to read minds. So 
speaking of reading, I want to read an excerpt from Michael Singer. Again, you probably know by now that he is one of my favorites. His book, Untethered Soul, The Journey Beyond Yourself, is just a must read. It's just a must read. But he talks about how we're all swimming in fear. He doesn't use that analogy, but he talks about how we are like animals that have become afraid because we've been mistreated. We are the ones mistreating our psyche, our mind. And here's this paragraph I want to read to you that he says, just blows my mind. He says, you said to your mind, I want everyone to like me. I don't want anyone to speak badly of me. I want everything I say and do to be acceptable and pleasing to everyone. I don't want anyone to hurt me. I don't want anything to happen that I don't like. And I want everything to happen that I do like. And then you said to your mind, now mind, figure out how to make every one of these things a reality, even if you have to think about it day and night. And of course, your mind said, I'm on the job. I will work on it constantly. <sighs> wow. So when you look around on the Zoom or the Teams call or the Google Meets, or maybe you're in person, this is what everybody's mind is busy working on. Unless you are in that rare, rare environment where there is psychological safety and where fears are short-lived, fears are spoken and then eliminated, neutralized. So let's talk about what it takes to do it. In order to stop this contagion, bear with me for a moment. I know it's a silly metaphor um, and probably inappropriate considering what's going on in the world, or maybe it's very appropriate considering what's going on in the world. But in order to inoculate ourselves and our cultures and our lives and our minds, the first shot needs to be courage. Because once you take an act of courage, that means you are afraid to do something, but you do it anyways. You take action. You take intelligent action, but you take action. And it's hard. It requires courage. That is the tipping point into expansion. Literally, it's the tipping point into expansive, high vibrating emotions where everything is easy. So once you're at the state of uh, neutrality, willingness, uh, gratitude, love, then you don't even need courage anymore because you just act from those emotions. But when you're acting from a base emotion like fear, shame, anxiety, courage is harder to access. So of course, it's going to take more energy. It's going to be um, more scary, but you will be rewarded when you take action. And then you're going to get proof when you act from a place of courage and you act with uh, smart actions that are proven to work, like influence techniques that are proven to work, open-ended questions that are proven to evoke brilliant conversations and information. So once you do that, you're going to become rewarded with results. And those results are going to become addictive to you. And now you'll realize, what was I doing all that time? What was I protecting? 
I was only creating more and more fear and resistance in me. So this is how, with my new client, her fear is just gone. She took courageous action. She shifted her beliefs that were causing her to be so fearful. And now she had beliefs that were congruent with courage. And now she's having a ton of fun. And she is shaking things up. One of the emails she sent based on on a decision she made went all the way up to the CEO of a multi-billion dollar company. And you know what? He was happy with her decision (laughs) because CEOs like it when people take action. They don't like it when people dilly, when people let fear stop them from taking smart actions. So when you become the person that just acts courageously and then easily from this place of uh, confidence, true confidence and freedom, you become a positive contagion. Other people start to feel safer around you. Other people start to feel more courageous around you. You are setting a great example. And then your meetings become the most open where things are just shared. People feel safe talking out loud about things they would otherwise keep quiet in a different meeting. And then your meetings become more productive. Decisions get made. People don't blame. People ask questions until they have clarity. Clarity about expectations and roles. None of this guessing about who's accountable. I hate that word, by the way. I hate the word accountable. It really now just means who are we going to blame later? That's what people's brains think when they hear the word accountable. And even if you don't find it to be a trigger word, it's confusing. Ask everybody what accountable means. They will give you a different definition. What I like to know is who's deciding? Who has the decision rights in this? And yes, that might be the person who gets blamed or not. I don't know. Uh, So your meetings are going to be those ones where decisions are made without fear, knowing what the risks are and being willing to take those risks. So no more guessing. And people are going to come to you for advice, even people more senior to you, because guess what? They have a lot of fear too. Everybody thinks that the higher you get in an organization, uh, the more confident you are. Not necessarily not necessarily. They have a lot at stake. So they are going to want to be um, in conversation with people who aren't afraid of them, because those are the people who are most helpful, who will have real conversations with them and who they don't have to be careful around and protect their ego. Your work will get done faster. You will have more evenings for yourself, for your family, for your friends, and you will have your weekends back. And that's just bonus on top of the gift of having less fear. So here's some homework I'm going to offer you. You might want to write this down. I want you to think about a situation at work that scares you the most. For a lot of people, that's speaking to executives. For some people, it might be saying no. For others, it might be asking for help. What's the situation? And then what scary things do you tell yourself about it? And then let's talk about your behaviors. What actions do you take 
based on these scary stories? What actions or inactions do you take? And how are they creating the very thing you fear will happen? Then ask yourself, if you continue down this path, where does it go? Okay, now I want to switch to an expansive question. What is the best thing that could happen in this situation? The situation that scares you the most. What's the best thing that could happen? And then how would you need to be in order for that to happen? How would you need to be and what would you need to believe? And then finally, what courageous action are you willing to take? And when are you going to take it? Now go tell somebody. Go tell somebody what that courageous action is and help them hold you able to do it. Don't back down. When that moment comes, you're going to take a breath. You're going to feel your feet on the floor, shoulders up, and you're going to do the thing, the courageous thing. And then I want you to celebrate. Notice how it went. Notice you're still alive and celebrate. And then you can recalibrate. What did you learn? What do you want to do differently next time? What do you want to do the same next time? And in this way, you will start to free yourself from fear and you will become a positive contagion, a positive force for good and a heck of a lot happier. And one more emotion that you're going to feel that you probably don't feel on a regular basis is pride. You are going to be proud of yourself for taking action and for doing something different, even though you were afraid. And that, my friends, is a wonderful, wonderful feeling worthy of celebration. So let me know how it goes. And I will put a link in the show notes. So if you are a female professional who feels stuck, who can watch yourself self-sabotaging, and you're tired of it, but you don't know how to get out. If you are done suffering and you're coachable, ready to try something new with my support, you can go ahead and book a breakthrough call with me. I save a few slots every week. These go fast. So please, if this is you, go and book a call now. And I will help you get absolute clarity about what is causing the situation and what your best next steps would be. And we will actually have a lot of fun. All right, my friend, go have a wonderful day. Thanks for listening to Work-Life Brilliance. If you want to be coached by Denise, join her in the Work-Life Brilliance Academy, where wholehearted humans are becoming the best version of themselves. Accepting applications now at wlbacademy.com.